right, y'all. Welcome, Nerdy Knights, to the well-rounded table aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm that Padawan learner, Sarah O'Connor, queen of queries and defender of droids, and we are back with part two of our Ezra Bridger character study. Uh, before we dive in, let's check in with the rest of the Nerdy Knights that we have here today. Introduce yourselves. Hello there. I'm Jedi Master and Rebel Scum collaborator, Colleen McMillan. I'm Flo, and it was really hard to not say General Kenobi after that <laughs> hello there. Uh, but I'm your manager of mischief, true youngling, never seen Rebels. I'm here to take notes and listen eagerly. I am Jedi Knight, Anders Drew. And you know that we run the gambit here in terms of our rank from youngling to master, but no matter your rank, one thing remains the same. Much to learn we still have. And so last time on BGS, we started exploring Colleen's absolute amazing essay on Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels and how his character develops increasingly strong empathic connections throughout the entire story. Her thesis is based around the poem, quote, Lothcat, Lothcat, Lothwolf run, pick a path and all is done, which sounds so fun to say. And I was so nervous that I was gonna botch it. Whew. Last time we explored Ezra's character through his stage as the Loth, not Lothrat, and today we are continuing on with the Lothcat stage, which mostly covers season two and season three of Rebels. So like part one, this episode is completely and utterly spoiled filled for all four seasons of Rebels and beyond. So if you haven't gotten a chance to watch Rebels yet or have listened to part one of this character study, Please go enjoy them and come back to enjoy part two, three, and four with us later. And if you have already enjoyed Rebels and part one, then grab your favorite drink from the cantina and prepare to relax and unwind as we engage your mind. What do you think, y'all? We ready to go? Yes, yes. yes. As always. Yep. All right, Colleen, we'll then punch it. All right, here we go, everybody. I'm this ready. Is Loath cat, Flo is ready. <laughs> of all the Lothal fauna from the poem, the Loath cat is most like Ezra. Inquisitive, assertive, friendly, but also a little protective and quick to strike at enemies. A little swipey, swipey. Uh, that just reminds me, every time I've, I've read that line, it just brings me back to um, the episode of Parks and Recreation where they are like determining everybody's spirit dogs. Like Jerry's a bulldog or Ron was a bulldog, I think. And it comes out at the end, April finally decides that La Donna is not a dog at all. She's a cat for pretty much all of those reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the episode <laughs> where they were matching personality to dog treat. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I love that episode. I also think I'm a cat sometimes. Okay. But and speaking of cats, cats. Speaking of cats, <laughs> get back to our loath cat, the white loath cat in particular. This cat is brave, intuitive, and constant, most importantly. He's a bit like Ezra's familiar, the, the creature he connects with the most, and that symbolizes his personality and his journey. So from here, basically, in season two through this year's finale, whenever the white loath cat is around, it signifies that something big is about to happen for Ezra. Yep. That's just really cool, because that's also a trait that we kind of know from Clone Wars between Ahsoka and Morai. So it's really it, that idea that Ezra is being brought in line with Ahsoka during this time period is just, I think, really significant, particularly mm -hmm. when you think about his connection with Maul, that I'm pretty sure we're going to get pretty detailed on here very, very soon. 
And Flo, for one of the questions I think I'd like us to kind of hunt down would be all of the white different symbolisms, especially as between Ezra mm. and the animal that connects with him and Ahsoka, her lightsabers and the white owl. So another creature that can lead a solitary existence but does well within a social group, these cats are playful hunters and often mischievous. This stage in Ezra's empathic development shows him exerting his individuality, giving more input on missions and getting into bigger trouble. It's the stage where he encounters many of his greatest challenges and where he tries to leave Kanan's shadow and lead. But this is also the time of his greatest growing pains as he dabbles in the dark side under Maul's influence and strains under Kanan's guidance. I love that Oof. teen angst. Yeah, yes. this, the this Ron season. Angst. I was going to say, I love one. that teen angst. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so good here with Ezra. So angsty. The mystery of Ezra's parents ends in the season two episode Legacy. So we finally get resolution on that, and that will help Ezra move into this stage. Ezra receives a force vision of his parents, and he's drawn back to Lothal. And he's basically looking for answers, hoping that he can find out if his parents are there, or if he can find somebody who might know what's going on. First, he goes to his old family home, and that's where he encounters our little white loath cat for the first time. He decides to follow the cat and meets the former fugitive um, Lothal governor, his name's Ryder Azadi, and Ryder tells Ezra that his parents instigated a mass breakout from the prison where they were being held, ensuring that a lot of people escaped, but in the end they sacrificed themselves, so they are now gone. And, and they also, Ezra's... Clair point of clarity though, the, they led that they led that uprising in response to the transmission Ezra sent from mm -hmm. season one, right? Yep. They heard his words and decided it was time to rise up, which they, they did successfully. I mean, they made sure a lot of people escaped, but they self-sacrificed, which is, of course, something that a lot of our rebel heroes do, as we'll see coming up, including some people that we will be talking about later. <laughs> In this, Ezra's anguish is palpable. He was so close to seeing his parents again, or he thought he was so close to seeing them again. But... The vision was actually leading him to the White Loath Cat and to Ryder. Mm. And Ezra can't accept this quite yet. Yet. It doesn't take him very long. He's not, he's angsty, but he doesn't stay angsty for super long. In one of the next episodes, he meets Princess Leia, the mm. young, very sure of herself, confident Princess Leia. Mm. Leia is actually Ezra's age. They're only a couple days apart, birthwise. And she feels this weight of responsibility just like he does. And Ezra gets new inspiration despite losing his parents from Leia. She tells him, quote, I feel like because I can fight, I have to for those who cannot. And I think you might be the same way. So and I, I really like when like original Star Wars characters get to interact with the newer because it kind of mm -hmm. weds it way together for me. It makes it a lot more realistic that the stories do go together and it's not just a mm -hmm. retcon of a retcon of a retcon. Right. right. And you get to see what Leia's up to being the Alderanians are always putting their noses into refugee situations. <laughs> yeah. Which the Empire really can't do anything about because they're like the do-gooders and everyone loves them. Like everyone loves Alderaan so everyone loves Leia. 
and Ezra basically gets like the full Leia treatment here, which is really fun to see just yeah. because they're that same yeah. age. And it's like Leia's already got her shit pretty much together, but she's also had it together <laughs> since she was like three. Since she yeah. was born. very true. Yeah, since she was born, she's been raised to be like this. Ezra hasn't. So I think she sees that too and is like, okay, I just need to give you a nudge and you'll be yeah. going in the right direction again. So after this and after meeting Leia and hearing her advice, he can let his parents go and move on to the next stage in his life. From loath rat to loath cat. And then, you know, focus on moving forward and helping others. This is Ezra moving into this stage. He gets the chance when the ghost crew encounters two surviving Lasat. These are members of Zeb, <laughs> Zeb species, and they were yeah. thought to be extinct or mostly extinct. Uh, here's our, our boy again, the forever problematic Hondo. No, I will hear no slander against <laughs> Hondo, all right? He is not problematic. He absolutely knows how to maximize profit yep. and minimize danger to his friends and almost always comes through in the end with the save, all right? Minimize all danger to like, himself. <laughs> all I'm saying well, like, is maybe a couple of like etiquette lessons and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between him and Thrawn and he would be out thinking Thrawn in terms of strategy. Yeah, mm -hmm. so Flo is correctly <laughs> writing down like Hondo slash actually, is Hondo better than Hondo Thrawn? question mark. <laughs> I'm actually or writing, what? I'm writing make, on, make Anders a Hondo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. I would welcome that. And I'm writing fanboy next to it. Yeah, yeah. Hondo fanboy, that's for sure. Hondo is delightful. In this scenario, though, he's... <laughs> Our poor dude. I mean, he does lead Ezra to the refugees, so check. Good on the good side for Hondo there. But he's also the reason that Agent Callus and the Empire start chasing them as they attempt to flee. Callus would have found flee. them anyway. Hondo got them out of the situation in the end. All I'm saying is it's fine. He does. Hondo actually gets captured here, which is very unlike him. We'll probably have to cover that in a future pod about our, our dude, our little space pirate. He's fantastic. But like Ezra, once again, his willingness to trust and forgive, forgive Hondo. We'll continue through the series. We haven't seen the last of Hondo yet. And we do have to agree that he was instrumental in uniting Zeb with yeah, the refugee Lissab. He's great. So, I mean, this was a very good thing he did. Seb thought he was alone, and now he finds out that he's not. We'll definitely do a character study on him. It's just a matter of when, yes. not if. Yes. He steps in. I mean, he does step in when it looks like Callus is going to immediately capture them and gets captured in turn. So we will give Hondo the benefit of the doubt on this one. <laughs> but getting back to Ezra, like, once we get back to the ghost and they're trying to outrun Callus, they're trying to get to Zeb's people's kind of legendary planet Lyrasan. Ezra like immediately enmeshes himself with these two Lassans. He's really yeah. eager to learn about them and their culture. He leaps into their chanting circle and he's like telling Zeb to come on over and engage as well. He's like, come on, Zeb, hop in, hop in and so start chanting like with a, us. Uh, this is great. It was so much like if you're like if you're ex and you're current, um, your current significant other meet or like if you bring a friend over and you're like warning them against your family like don't they're mm -hmm. nuts that and then they immediately get in and they're best friends with everybody and then you're yeah. just in the back corner like arms folded 
that was are you talking from like personal this sounds like a little very realistic is this like where we have to hash this out because we can do that here if you need no, to. no 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 this is just straight up tv tropes <laughs> this is a safe space yeah safe space. this definitely is not going live anders we're fine no i'm usually ezra in that scenario okay like, so the angsty one we get it we get it i'm the one who's just like yo let's have fun let's let's jump right in let's do this yes yeah and speaking of connecting people to stay on track isn't ezra also good at connecting people colleen oh you bet your butt he is he's fantastic i mean this is like as we've been saying this is ezra's main power is and he's insistent upon it like he insists on connecting with people right and more creatures right this actually is one of my favorite episodes i love this episode people at the time called it filler no and we're just like what's what's going on with this no. episode Okay, no. so we're in season two, episode called The Call. This early episode has some, like, really staggering endgame implications that most people didn't expect, which is why it's, like, not a filler episode whatsoever. It, it's like... <laughs> Let them know, Colleen. Let them know. I'm here. I'm here to stand for this episode. You pay attention now. <laughs> hmm Everybody watch this episode very carefully. <laughs> so it, it's a little bit like we talked about last episode, how Ezra could feel Darth Vader. Yeah. first the kind of icy mm-hmm. presence this time he hears this like hauntingly sad song outside the ghost as they're on a mission Kanan doesn't hear it at first he's kind of like i don't hear anything ezra sit down but and it's like, ezra no, it's there <laughs> it's ezra who guesses that it sounds sad is that right colleen it, and it sounds sad when you're listening to it it's yeah it sounds like melancholy see it sounds like whales to me Yes. It just sounds like whale mm-hmm. noises. The whales, the whales. It does, the sad but it's got that like, it's got that like kind of a downward. Yeah. Feel to it. Very can, uh, can you do a whale Lilting. sound, please? Can anyone Not speak it. whale? <laughs> <laughs> you have to. You do. You do. Kelly, that's all. You... Not, all I the... cannot speak whale. <laughs> yeah. I can only speak it like Dory speaks it. Exactly. Yeah, we can yeah. speak it like Hello. Yes. It has that kind of low register kind of, it sounds sad. They, and at this point, they are kind of sad. So we're, we'll yeah. go with sad. I mean, they're on the hunt for food. They're trying to find mm-hmm. their food source. Yep, they're looking for their fuel. The ghost upon Kanan finally kind of starts hearing the sound. And they're soon surrounded by these massive whale-like creatures. Yay! Yep. They're yep. the, the purgle. That's what they're called, the purgle. Ezra oh, is enchanted hold on, hold with them. On. Actually, hold on. I want to like semi flex here for one second. It's actually purgil. So purgil. Hera, Hera, uh. like, not as much like um. The emphasis needs to be on gills, as if it's like purring from its gills. Which I think is very interesting because like Hera kind of pronounces it both ways in the episode, Mm -hmm. which I think contributes to some people pronounce it like, listen, have fun with it. However you want to pronounce it, I'm fine. (laughs) It's kind of like Lothal itself. Um, Yeah. Callus says Lothal a couple times at first, but then once he's stationed there and he kind of gets to know the dialect, he starts transitioning to Lothal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think it's 
I just think it's very interesting that like one of the key animals that is definitely, in my humble opinion, tied to Ezra's fate, even after season four, mm -hmm. somehow also relates subtly to cats, like with the little purring and stuff. Like mm -hmm. it's also, oh, yeah. it's also in a way like an engine because they deal with a hyperspace. Thing. That baby yeah. Purr. yeah and like let's blast off so i can't wait until we talk about them more but mm -hmm. but <laughs> yes they're now's not the creatures. time sarah move <laughs> move on Thanks they are next. amazing creatures and at first they're trying to fly against them all these people are yeah. coming at them and they're trying to fly against them and ezra says turn around let's fly with them and hera it's like Ugh, fine so it works once they start flying with them everything's fine they don't bump into them, nothing happens. Yep. Even though Hera's still out here like, mm, they're a menace, menace to spacecraft. And so this is one of those very, very rare times where we see Hera just being wrong. Because yes, these animals can totally cause accidental damage. And I get that as a pilot, but like, you don't even know what a role these animales are about to be playing Hera. So like, don't injure any of these precious little space manatees. And it is interesting, right? That Ezra, the empath, one of the strongest, if not strongest in the universe, is the one to hear them like so far in advance. And then also like Kanan, it took them to literally be eyeballs with you to be like, I now sense them. No, you don't. You just looked out the window, bro. <laughs> oh, Kanan. Did it? Kanan, Kanan. Well, he might not even feel them. If That's he's what kind I'm of, saying. If he he's kind feel of anything. edging off of Ezra's skill, if they're kind of like yeah. sharing, sharing skill, he might just be feeling what Ezra's And feeling. that's fine. That's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. But yes, so Ezra immediately forms these connections with them. And they actually save him later in the episode. Ezra's about ready to suffocate in these kind of poisonous gases that the Pergil actually eat. Yep. And they save him. It's so cute. One of the little tentacles grabs his helmet and gives it back to him. It's and only after they have a conversation, though. They have yes. a conversation and reach mm -hmm. a deeper understanding. Oh, I can't yep. wait to talk about them. When they write it down, Flo. Write it down. Did you say they're tentacles? The pergle. Yeah, yeah, they're they're like a whale like, squid kind of. Okay, because I've obviously I don't know what a pergill looks like, but yeah. I'm just like picturing a whale, and then you're like tentacles. I'm it's, like, well, where? <laughs> The front is a whale, right? Okay. And then the bottom is like a it's squid. A so yeah. think whale plus the on okay. Greyjoy, like kraken. <laughs> Got it. They are. They really are space krakens. Yeah. Yes. Got yeah, it. Because they're ship destroyers too. So yeah, they're, they're With like, like sea monsters. Here are like, sea monsters. But like the gentleness of a manatee. Let's not yes. get it. Like absolutely. Yes, yes. they're precious. So yes, like a crackety. Like Yes, yeah. <laughs> the crackety, I love it, I love it. All right, so Ezra does, he talks with them, and he asks them for help, basically. And he connects with them so deeply. Their eyes kind of look like World Between Worlds with the stars. Kind of, yeah. Peoples. It's almost kind like of, Ezra yeah. really goes into a deep trance with these whale It's guys. almost as if there might be some hidden symbolism there being artistically depicted. Maybe. Maybe indeed, huh. Dave Filoni, huh. smarty pants, knows what's going on. <laughs> so they actually then help <laughs> the ghost crew defeat these the mining guild. They're trying to get fuel from the mining guild, and the mining guild the guys are dicks. So the Purgle help them, 
destroy the, the mining guild people, which is hysterical. Yep. And then once they're back on the ghost, Ezra says, quote, it wasn't like anything I've ever experienced. I could see what they were thinking. And so Kanan remarks on the probable, come on Kanan, obviously strong connection. And just like showing us his continued awe of Ezra's gift. But then this is also priming viewers for the series finale, whether they knew it or not. Yeah, It's like Ezra's understanding of, and empathy, of course, for these creatures that inspires them to help him. He actually feels what they feel and they're feeling what he's feeling at this moment. It's just so sweet. I love it. It's also, I wanted to point out one more thing that the Purgles or Purgils Purgils. Purgils. do, (laughs) yeah, do like this circle thing that the Lothwolves do, right, as like an entryway. And so I wonder if, though we won't get a season five, something related to additional animals and openings to, you know, never, never, yeah, like will happen, especially Good. with respect to where Thrawn and he go, question mark. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, Anders, where are we going next? <laughs> mm-hmm. So after the episode with the Pergel, um, we really get into the largest portion of Ezra's Lothcat stage. And that comes in the form of a challenge from Yoda that stretches across pretty much the remainder of the series. So Ezra, Kanan, and Ahsoka, they go back to Lothal, to the Jedi Temple. They go through a different door this time, and they're trying to gain that knowledge of how to defeat the Sith. And then while he's meditating, Ezra, a little bit of a stronger connection this time, whereas last time he just heard Yoda's voice, he actually sees him Mm -hmm. um, in Yoda's most, let's call it interesting, visual form. (laughs) Um... You have to, yeah, do, I mean, you've great. now left it like, yeah. Yoda just looks weird here. Yoda just looks weird here. His head is like smaller and more like straight up circular. Yeah. It, the animation just looked really strange. Like, the considering Wars. how well they so did weird. with him in Clone Wars, it's kind of weird. That's very weird. Um, mm-hmm. I also think he was taller. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Maybe he's wearing lifts. Could yeah. be. I don't know. So Ezra asks Yoda, you know, why would it be wrong for me to want to protect my friends? And Yoda, cryptic as always, says a lifelong challenge not to bend fear into anger, which I hear and I'm immediately thinking of one of our favorites, Harry Potter and Dumbledore, talking about how you have to kind of keep battling against evil It'll never quite go away, but you can always continue to push it back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually, I was telling you guys before we started, I've been watching Warehouse 13 and I saw an episode today where they actually pretty much quoted that exactly. Again. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. It's also like, isn't there a Game of Thrones quote where death is the first enemy and the last and the enemy yes. always wins? Yes. yes. Very like that too. But we have to keep Very fighting. much like That's that. That's right. We keep yeah. fighting. Mm-hmm. And it's the fight that matters. That's right. Um, So Yoda also tells Ezra, again, how the Jedi choose to win is really what's important. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ezra, he's starting to stick to his convictions more, and he says that they have chosen to fight. So Yoda instructs Ezra to find Malachor, which Ezra thinks at first is a person, but we later learn is a planet. Um, Now, did Yoda have an idea of what sending these three to Malachor would ultimately do? 
probably unlikely that he knew the specifics and everything and everything exact, but he had to have had an inkling, otherwise he wouldn't have actually sent them there. At the very least, he thought Kanan, Ahsoka, and Ezra would be sorely tested. I like the idea that Yoda did know (laughs) because if the holocron is going to be like the master of death, I Mm -hmm. want House Hufflepuff head boy (laughs) in charge of it because I know he's not going to use it. And it's very interesting to watch that progression, but that kind of, we'll get to all that in another episode, I'm sure. But but I, I like the idea actually just to play the opposite. Yes, I completely understand where you're coming from, but there is, I think, a good faith argument that Yoda did know and would have acted intentionally hoping how things ultimately played out. Maybe the details, cloudy is the future, you know, uncertain is the path, but the destination of the journey, like, yeah, we need head boy in charge of this holocron. Whether he Sam, knew straight answer would have been nice. someone was there. <laughs> straight answer That's would true. always be nice with Yoda. Like, oh, yeah. so in other words, are you agreeing, Anders? Is that an agree? Because that's I, I, well, yeah. No, I would. I think I think he had a pretty strong idea. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Yes. Whether he knew exactly who was there is another question we would have. Oh, to waiting ask. for him. Yeah. Waiting. I. That is also a very good. I prefer that question because. The other question I feel like I've answered, at least for my comfort level. Whether he knew someone else was there is the, that's another clincher right there. Thanks, Yoda. Yeah. So Yoda's suggestion to go to Malachor comes to a head in the two-part season finale, which we told Flo to watch last episode. And this is called Twilight of the Apprentice, <laughs> parts one and two. Eventually, Flo, eventually. Yeah. Sorry. She's still like, working through Clone Wars. We're proud of her. We're not going to detract yes. her from I'm her journey. So close to being done with season two of Clone Wars. Yeah, that's like impressive. <laughs> you're good stuff. Yeah, you're some, battling right now. Some Obi Wan drama at the end of season two. Keep fighting, Flo. Keep All fighting. right, you can do it. <laughs> so in this finale, we have Kanan, Ahsoka, and Ezra, and Chopper, of course, fly to Malakor, a planet that houses an ancient Sith temple. Thanks, Yoda. Temple. I loved it. The temple. When I Ezra shows it. interest in the relics that are kind of strewn around, he asks why Yoda would have sent them to a Sith planet. Excellent question. Why Ezra indeed? Keep <laughs> asking these questions. And Ahsoka's like, hmm, that's a, that is a good question. She proposes, quote, to defeat your enemy, you need to understand them. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, makes, yeah, good at understanding sense. people. Yoda knows. Yoda knows it's our dude, Ezra. So perhaps Yoda did kind of detect this particular talent in Ezra and knew he wouldn't be prepared to face the upcoming challenges in his path without further knowledge of the enemy. But still, mm, we're we're heading into some rough territory for Yoda here. So thus, this leads us to the first of Ezra's three biggest challenges throughout the series, meeting and unfortunately connecting very deeply with Maul. You say unfortunately, I'm doing fine. Fortunately <laughs> in the long run, fortunately in the long run, unfortunately for a lot of other I would agree with that. I would agree with that. That I'll agree with. And fans had no idea Maul would be entering Rebels. I had, I certainly had no clue. I saw the hooded guy bent over and I was like, that looks like Maul. <laughs> this is going to be great. So it was, it was a fun surprise to see him hiding out on Malachor and pretending to be like this weak old man with cane. 
Yeah, Seriously, a game that looks especially like a uh, an Inquisitor's lightsaber, but like, you know, whatever. Or like that- Jafar waiting by the temple, yes. like imploring Aladdin to come on in and get like the lamp. That's what I see. That's Colleen, what I remind me, remind me real quick though, because I think, like you said, fans didn't know that he was mm-hmm. going to make this appearance. And mm-hmm. as far as we knew, like if you were, if you had watched Clone Wars and everything. The last you had seen of Maul, he had been captured by Palpatine on Mandalore after he and um, Savage, his brother Savage Opress had been defeated. Mm-hmm. Oof, yeah, that was a poor, yeah. We rarely do I say poor Maul with such vehemence as after that scene, after Savage <laughs> is dead and Palpatine has basically just like bitch slapped him down. So I would say probably if fans hadn't consumed the comics, they wouldn't have known exactly what was going to be happening because the Son of Dathomir comics were first released in 2014 and Twilight of the Apprentice was in 2016. So at least they would have known that he had escaped Palpatine, but they wouldn't have known what happened to him. Yep. Mm. Okay. There are still a lot of holes too. We had a a tiny little glimpse of him in Solo, so we have a little bit of an idea what he's been up to before Rebels, but not even close to enough. And kind of getting back to what's happening to our characters kind of in the season, Ezra is separated from Kanan and Ahsoka and meets Maul in an underground chamber. The ex-Sith is curious and doesn't appear to be dangerous at all, but Ezra wisely uses caution because why would a guy be hanging out alone on a Sith planet? Question mark. Valid question. I love how Valid like concern. he doesn't appear dangerous. The guy is like red and black and has horns. Like, he hooded at the beginning. He's hooded. He yeah, hood. he's hooded. So yeah. he's kind okay. Of- well, extra sketchy. He's yeah. just he's just hanging out. It's totally fine because Maul is the master manipulator and senses Ezra's open nature. He tells Ezra that the Sith took everything from him not a lie and ezra immediately drops his guard he also wants knowledge on how to defeat the sis so he agrees to help maul access the temple by using the dark side Uh, one of these days i want to do like a short episode just on the the two temples from from rebels the jedi and the sith temple and just how they like exemplify the different sides of the force and everything with them. Yes. Absolutely. Love I would, mm-hmm. Flo, can you add that to the list? Including their construction, like artistically from an architectural structure too. Yes. So it's fascinating the different challenges, etc. So yeah, add it to the list so we don't get distracted. Colleen, next up. Oh, yep, here we go. <laughs> my dude, I love my dude, Maul. He's fantastic. These two work surprisingly well together, like a little alarmingly well together. And Maul eventually gives Ezra some advice. So quote, our dude Maul, unless you take risks, do what must be done. There will always be limits to your abilities. Seize the knowledge, seize the power. Don't become like me. So Good advice. Some of it is very good advice. I mean, the audience knows Maul well enough to see the merit in some of his statements. Like, yeah. Some? I some. say all. There's some Bro's there. not lying here. Like. like yeah, risks. I'll call him you out when he's lying. He's not lying right now. He is not. Lying. Not right now. Not, not right, right now. now. <laughs> not yet. Not until he's a little bit more desperate. But I mean, we're still a little leery of Maul's obsession with power. And Ezra, he, his idea of power would be so different from Maul's. So the red flags aren't flying for him here. He's like, oh yeah, the power of knowledge. Let's go get that power of knowledge. 
it's not not at all what Maul's idea of power would be. So instead of being like, no, let's not do this right now, Ezra doubles down on this new bond and he engages with Maul in trying to open the Sith temple. It's a really interesting puzzle because it forces two Sith to work together toward to gain access to it, much like the Jedi temple on Lothal. Like the, it mm -hmm. takes two in order to get inside. Yep. But teamwork and support and trust are complete mystery to the Sith. So we're basically waiting for Maul to turn on Ezra as soon as he can. Yep. But that doesn't happen, so we have to wonder what else Maul is up to. And I really wonder what would have happened, first, if the Jedi had found Maul and not the other way around. And two, if any one of the Thunder Buddies for life that Maul tried to recruit had been like, you know what? You shouldn't be alone. Like, imagine if Harry Potter didn't have Hermione and Ron. Mm -hmm. Imagine. Mm -hmm. Hmm? I don't we like to imagine a this. world without Ron. Yeah, we'll so like this in the mall pod for sure. Yeah, always the apprentice, never the master. And like, I don't want to be a mall apologist because like, mall does he, some he does mauling. bad shit. He does yeah. bad shit. Yeah. Yes, but there are very good psychological reasons for why he is. And plot points. And plot, and plot points. <laughs> and plot points. Very important to have character development with the plot points. And he's so, a snack. He is a snack. <laughs> he is complete danger snack. But we will also talk about that in the mall <laughs> So back to him and Ezra. We found out really quickly what Maul's intentions are here. He's taken a liking to Ezra and plans to recruit him as his apprentice. Maul, he's, he's very much like Ezra in his desperation to connect. He doesn't really know that that's what he's trying to do but he's always trying to find an apprentice or someone to connect with. And here he's found this perfect little force enhanced empath, like gift wrapped for him, basically. Someone right. who could understand him, like could read him. And so he's not about to let Ezra go without a fight. Ezra's sitting here like, my master this, my master that. And Maul's like, hmm, <laughs> that's something to put in the back of my brain to deal with later. So we have to enter three Inquisitors because, of course, the Inquisitors are tracking Maul, the Shadow, and they attack Kanan and Ahsoka. Ezra, Ezra believes Maul will help them. He's like, look, my friend. I brought a friend. I my, brought help. What fun. My good friend Tom is right here. It's totally <laughs> fine. Fine. He's totally going to help us, guys. And He's red like those flags I'm ignoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ahsoka's like, no, <laughs> fuck. And Kanan's like, what? What's going on here? Because he doesn't, he doesn't really know who Maul is. <clears throat> but Ahsoka does. Ahsoka mm -hmm. knows who Maul is. But I mean, Ezra isn't wrong yet that Maul will help him. Right. But he hasn't quite gotten the right read on his new friend. Maul, though, he knows that he will not stand a chance against Darth Vader because Vader is coming. He's on his way. Yeah, he's planning ahead. He's planning ahead. Maul is usually planning ahead. He proposes an alliance with Ahsoka and Kanan. Again, not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> but they know better than to trust him. They're like, again, oh. not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we yeah. should ditch him now. Can we just ditch him? <clears throat> but Ezra's super adamant that they give Maul a chance. So Kanan eventually gets Ezra alone. 
and reminds him to be mindful of Maul. But Ezra says, quote, Maul sees what I could be, you don't. Again, hooray for that teenage angst. Mm, but also in this it. moment, small, small question though, when Ezra says that, like, what does he mean? He's mm. like, it sees what I could be. What does Ezra think he could be? That he's I not think more, more powerful already. than, like, I think he's just ready to learn Get more to lesson. Yeah, and he's just, mm. Kanan's being gentle and safe mm. with his Padawan. Yep, and Kanan wouldn't be able to teach him anything about the dark side either. It's yeah. Especially how to use it. Mm-hmm. Ezra's but, ready to, Ezra like, re it. it as bad yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's ready. And he wants more knowledge. I mean, he wants, he thinks that the knowledge is going to be the power that he can use. He doesn't see it as a weapon quite yep. yet. And Ezra's mind is a little clouded at the moment. I mean, his assessment of Kanan versus Maul isn't entirely wrong. Like, like we said, like there are things Maul could teach Ezra that Kanan just can't. But he's yep. also not being fair. Like, come on, this is your dad, basically. This is your space dad. That's <laughs> another reason why he's fighting back against him. Be like, can't tell me what to do, dad. Can't tell me who my friends can be. Yeah. So they both see his potential. Maul and Kanan see Ezra's potential. But Ezra can't distinguish the difference quite yet. Like he doesn't know what seeking advice will do to him and to others. So Ezra begs Kanan to trust his judgment. And Ezra is eager to learn from someone new, especially a dangerous snack. But fortunately, he also doesn't want to leave Kanan. So it's almost as if like he wants to have it both ways. And we have to wonder if Kanan taught Ezra enough about the dark side and the pool that it has. If Kanan had, maybe there would have been a different outcome. But Ezra's tendency to give people the benefit of the doubt backfires horribly. Once Maul sends Ezra to activate the Sith Temple with the holocron they found together, he immediately turns on Ahsoka and Kanan when the Inquisitors are vanquished. Like surprise surprise he has an apprentice that he wants to get alone so kanan is blinded by maul's lightsaber which will haunt ezra into the next season cue the eggs Mm -hmm. and ahsoka is seemingly killed sacrificing herself in a duel with darth vader so epic that fight was so cool so beautiful the the super weapon in the background and everything and it's just so well done Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so beautiful and it was also very interesting I wonder if it's because it was a kid's show, they allowed like a very short peek of Ahsoka walking away. Because I wonder if it wasn't an ostensible kid's show, if they wouldn't have shown Mm. Ahsoka hadn't survived yet. Because could you imagine, like, I can't imagine the inevitable, but can you imagine if you had a little kiddo who was looking up to Ahsoka and they watched Vader kill Ahsoka? <laughs> like, nah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know I, how they would do that because, I mean, they weren't shy about, uh, they're not shy about, spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, spoiler Kanan, alert. Kanan, right, 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 right. Season right. four. I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if it's because (laughs) I feel like with Ahsoka, they did it gentler because, because we watched Ahsoka grow up. We have Mm -hmm. not watched Kanan grow up. We have watched Ezra grow up. So either, either way, regardless, Ezra doesn't know that Ahsoka has made it. The viewer has knows because of like two little second flash of Ahsoka, but Mm -hmm. Ezra thinks that Ahsoka hasn't made it. And he blames himself for this. 
So while he was able to resist the Sith Temple, which was a devastating weapon, Ezra still has a lot to overcome to reach the next stage in his development. Horrified by Maul's treachery and believing the events on Mal Malachor are his fault, Ezra decides to engage with the Sith Holocron to fix the wrongs he caused because nothing ever went wrong when you open Pandora's box. Let's see what's inside. His empathy betrayed him. So Ezra chooses a different, darker path. Yeah, just holding this, holding this little thing. Oh, it's caused absolutely nothing but trouble. It almost activated a doomsday weapon. Pretty much nearly killed me and the people I care about the most. Yeah. I guess I'll use it as a study guide. Yeah, and like a study guide for what, right, Jedi Knight? Like, like, why would you, why you know, would you do this? Oh, totally obviously, you know, it had to be that I just wasn't quite ready for it. That's, that's where I went wrong, not using it in the first place, you know. Couldn't it yeah. be that Master Kanan was staring me in the face telling me, don't do this, this is a bad idea, don't, it is too dangerous. I'll just, you know, use it to learn some shortcuts to, like, absolute power. And definitely not tell Kanan because, you know, parents just don't understand. Yeah, they definitely can't. They really, they really don't. Cue Ezra being broody as fuck and hiding in his room for <laughs> months, basically. Yep. Six months pass from the end of season two to the beginning of season three. And we find Ezra bolder, but also more reckless. Interestingly, though, his lightsaber blade has changed colors from blue to green. Um, reflecting like that deep emotional change and jedi i want to go over the jedi lightsaber colors just really quick jedi whose saber colors are blue are called jedi guardians this represents physicality bravery and righteousness those with the green saber crystals are jedi consulars and those who value harmony cooperation and a deep spiritual connection to the force it's pretty easy to deduce here that Ezra's saber color changed due to the trauma that he faced on Malachor, but is he choosing to cooperate with the wrong forces at this point? It, and we don't get to see very much of his dalliance with the Sith holocron. It lasts only two episodes on screen, but he's been using it for months and he's still really drawn to it. He even asks Kanan when Kanan takes it away. He's like, so, Where'd you put that Sith Holocron? <laughs> kind of like the Slytherin locket. And, you know, and like the one ring, right? I was going to say more like the Half-Blood Prince's book. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's Very like, that's true. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Refusing yeah. to yes. give it up. Just like using it, knowledge using it. With or Ventress's voice. It's not Ventress, but Ventress's voice actress is talking to so him. So good. it sounds very sultry. And I'd listen to her read anything. Yo, talk about he could a read a recipe book and I'd be like, <laughs> He's okay. a Ventress. Yes. Ventress, yes. We will also talk about Ventress at some point. I love her. <laughs> Definitely. So the holocron also affects his mood. It basically is like puberty unleashed <laughs> for real and not any of the good parts of puberty unleashed. Are there good parts? I didn't realize. Yeah, no, there are definitely good parts. I guess getting tall, getting taller. Yeah, Ezra would parts. like to get taller, I'm sure. He's, he's a little short, so he gets a little bit taller here. Um, uh, huge red flag alert, though. We were just talking about how you could use empathy and mind control and things in a bad way. And we see Ezra do this. And even though it seems kind of funny when you watch it at first, when you really think about it, it's pretty terrifying. He uses the Jedi mind trick to mind control yeah. 
a couple imperial soldiers from a considerable distance like he's far away from them he doesn't make eye contact no he has nothing really to go off of it is not a great look not great he forces these walker pilots to shoot all of the stormtroopers who are standing around and kill them all and then he forces them to walk the walker off of a platform to their own deaths Hold on, though. Flo, I'm lighting this because I want to signal the fact that we should write down this question. Is it more ethically responsible to mind control someone off a cliff or Gryffindor blast them in the face? Gryffindor blast them in the face. No question. All right. Uh, Unfortunately, Harry did use the Imperius curse. Yeah, he did. did use it. Yes. He used it under. He used it several times. He does. Ezra can still deflect blaster <laughs> fire with luck. his lightsaber. Like he could incapacitate the troops in a different way, but instead he chooses to death march yep. these guys that he's mind yeah. controlling and bodily controlling off of a platform. I think that's where it comes into play is that he's taking away the free will. Mm. Anything to do yeah. with taking away of the free will is when you're edging into unfortunate territory. And mm, Ezra, my dude, this is that negative side effect of his empathetic power, his his Jedi superpower is that he can weaponize it. Yep. I mean, he's desperate yeah. to keep his friends safe at this point. Absolutely desperate. And he promises that they will never get hurt again. He promises that he will never let them get hurt again. Mm-hmm. This attitude reeks of a little guy we may know named Anakin Skywalker oh, wanting yeah. to control Padme's fate <laughs> in the prequels. Well, it's, it is very natural to feel concerned for your loved ones. Attempting to use the force to control their fates never turns out well. That's true. And I just want to bring up, um, drawing back, you know, talking about the Anakin parallels there. Also, a little bit of bringing us back to some Luke parallels between him and Ezra. You know, like you said, his lightsaber color changed. He has had to change lightsabers altogether because Darth Vader actually destroyed his uh, stun gun, staple gun one. Mm-hmm. in uh, okay. Twilight of the Apprentice. So he had to get a new crystal, build a new lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Just like Luke did, Vader slices off Luke's hands and his original saber goes tumbling down on a Bespin. So Luke has mm-hmm. to construct a new one that has also now gone from blue to green. When Luke shows up in Return of the Jedi, he's got mm-hmm. that like black cloak, very Palpatine looking he's dabbling in some dark side powers using that mm-hmm. force choke as he enters Jabba's palace yep. so mm-hmm. again very very similar yes. trajectories i would agree the only part i would say is a little different is that he's using anakin's lightsaber mm-hmm. first so that's where the blue crystal comes from from the first saber the green one is one he actually earns so yeah. you're kind of thinking like even though he does exhibit the more kind of jedi guardian aspects in the first two movies and now in Jedi he's kind of moved over into this more mm-hmm. connected part to the force the more spiritual connection so I think the second saber cover is more Luke at this point but it's a really good yeah. connection to make again between Ezra and Luke mm-hmm. they're changing through trauma which makes yes. me wonder why other Jedi don't change colors often although a lot of times they don't have to make a new saber either they just that might not be, be as angsty. Yeah. I don't know. Not I think, quite as angsty. I think young Keen is pretty Domineering, angsty. controlling. 
to uh to change your Catalan's <laughs> lightsaber. Just a little turned on right now. <laughs> oh, freaking Anakin changing Ahsoka's. <laughs> yes. You but, guys keep right. saying domineering and Anakin's <laughs> lightsaber. And just... <laughs> Woo! So mm-hmm. back to Ezra though. He at this point in the story has trouble connecting with the creature for the first time pretty much yeah. since his failed initial attempt with the love cat. Yep. Um, the Krikna, and I think I'm saying that right. I think so. Fighters on Adalon are the only creatures that Ezra can't connect with. So they're trying to build this new rebel base. It's being attacked by giant weird spiders that haunt my nightmares. Ezra attempts to reach out with the force as one is you know, stalking the new base and the spider actually attacks. And Ezra's response is, you know, all right, fine. I guess, I guess we won't be friends, you know? Just, try, just trying to be nice. Um, but it does clue that does that line actually does clue us into um, that Ezra, when he reaches out to creatures, he is trying to make he is trying to befriend them. Like he is right. consciously in his mind, you know, kind of going back to the Pergel, that gratitude, and trying to gain that connection through mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ultimately, he and Kanan both learn from the Bendu this really massive moose-like, but like very natural looking. It's, it's almost got like rocks growing out of his back. Like he's just this ancient. Very never ending story. Very never ending story. It felt almost very like Zelda to me. Mm-hmm. 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 I was kind of reminded of the, uh, the lion turtles from Avatar yeah. Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have like forests growing out of their backs. Um, and I, I like to think of Bendu, how he talks and his name and what he, I guess, is supposed to symbolize is kind of that like ultimate, if you're going to bend in the force, he's like exactly at the middle of that bend, the center of the center. Yes. And I love that idea. Yeah. Which he does say, he says he exists in the middle between the light and the dark and that inner conflict that keeps Kanan and Ezra from letting go which causes the spiders to attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bendu really stresses yeah. the need for teamwork, cooperation, and because Kanan and Ezra's relationship is so unbalanced at this point, it's really necessary. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in this cave deep within, filled with these giant spiders, it's Kanan that's able to calm them, and Ezra's like stunned. He's, whoa, whoa, whoa. How, how did you do that? I can't even do that. Again, clue this into the fact that even Ezra knows his level of power is pretty unusual. It's very out of the ordinary. Yeah. Do you think do you think Ezra realizes here at all that perhaps because he was dabbling with the holocron, his his usual powers are dampened, or that's like too far afield for what is actually going on? And it's actually Kanan who is stronger? Because I almost feel like if Ezra hadn't been exercising different darker muscles, the burden might not have been as heavy. I think I think that's balanced too at this point. Yeah, I think it, okay. the the holocron is pulling him out of balance, kind of. It's okay. it, yeah, mm-hmm. he would. I think yeah, if he hadn't been using that holocron, his empathic light side abilities would be hindered in that way. 
Um, and it's finally when Ezra breaks down and is apologizing to Kanan, feeling so responsible for what happened to Malachor and how sorry he is, mm-hmm. that we really fu- get into what's been eating at him, and it's that guilt he feels yeah. for trusting Maul and bringing mm-hmm. him and Kanan together has just completely overwhelmed him and is another thing kind of blocking his his powers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Kanan showing this absolute depth of emotional maturity that teenage angsty Ezra can't quite comprehend yet, but it is a very much a trait seen in Jedi. Says, it wasn't your fault. I never blamed you, Ezra. It's time for you to forgive yourself. Yeah. And I don't remember writing this if Kanan is lying a little here. Colleen, was that your question or was that a I think that was me actually. That was me. Okay. Just, that was me. That was me like looking at the quote and just being like, you know what? All right. I understand Kanan is trying to be the bigger person here, but is he lying just a little bit when okay. he says, I never blamed you? Like really? Consistent on bringing this guy in, which ultimately caused you to go blind. Go blind. I don't know. I don't Go think ahead, Colleen. Per se, I think. I mean, not obviously not he, like majorly, but no. absolutely a little bit. I mean, there's bit. probably I mean, a little kernel kind of human in Kanan that would be like, "Fucking kid, damn it!" <laughs> exactly. I, I'm guessing he blames Maul way more. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely, and he should. Kanan, Kanan, he's so in tune with Ezra's needs. I don't think he would blame Ezra unless it was a really short moment of anger. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. And then he would be really devastated that he felt that way, which might be one reason why he and Ezra were not connecting. Um, like, yes, should should Ezra have listened to Kanan about Maul? Yep. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. But I don't think Kanan would begrudge Ezra for trying to empathize with someone, even a former Sith, just because that is his innate ability. And mm-hmm. trying to convince Maul to join their side, even for a short time, maybe would have been beneficial. I don't know if that's what Kanan was thinking about in the moment, but it would have been. And I mean, Yoda was the one who sent them there in the first place. <laughs> Blame Yoda here for a little bit. And Ahsoka Straight answer. Pushed, totally yeah, yeah. Ahsoka pushed Ezra away when she was fighting with Vader. Like Ezra did try and go help her and Kanan knew that he was doing that. So he knows that Ezra was pushed by Ahsoka out of the way. Like, everyone made their choices on Malachor, so it can't be all put on Ezra. And Kanan's the teacher, so he takes a lot of this on himself. He thinks yes. this is mm. his failing. He, think he, he thinks he's failed Ezra in this way. Yep. And I think he would be really proud that Ezra did not kill the seventh sister, that Inquisitor, when Maul told him to. Oh, absolutely. Like, Ezra yeah. fought against the dark side in that moment, and against the temple itself when he found out it was a weapon. So Kanan then would also be like, yes, this is what I've been teaching you. This is what we need to keep going on. And his first objective is to protect Ezra at all costs and his emotional state. But he does let their relationship fray over that six-month hiatus. He does. Mm -hmm. I think this has more to do with Kanan's own frustration, though, than, like... And his They're both a little angsty. And with Ezra. Yes, they, the, they went through a trauma. Yes, they did. And they're trying to come out on the other side. And thankfully, Bendu was on Avalon, which is probably another reason that they were kind of called there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why it's been protected by, from the Empire for so long. So just he basically just tells Ezra what he needs to hear. Yeah. 
I think it was a total space dad. Space dad. Yeah. Yep. He's our for space sure. dad forever. <laughs> Just he says the things that will allow their relationship to heal. Like even though Ezra has little trouble connecting with people, the chasm between them was just too big for Ezra to walk alone. Yep. And But he was the first to reach out in that cave. He shows how much he's grown. He's like, I'm so sorry. It was my fault. He wanted to reestablish this connection with Kenan, his teacher and his father figure. <laughs> like, and they hug. It's so great. <laughs> I love that they hug. We'll talk about that a little bit later in our Master and Apprentice section, just their kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And this moment kind of proves to be the most important moment in his life. Just that reestablishment of the connection with Kenan. Unfortunately, though, here we go again, Sarah, with the unfortunately when it comes to Maul. Yeah. And I always do like an opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not always. I remember one time Flo calling me contrarian and I was like, no, I'm not. Well, <laughs> great. I, I stick by that statement. <laughs> yes. I mean, fortunately, once again, in certain aspects, yes. But unfortunately for poor Ezra's mental state. Yes. His, his like mental and soul bound ties to Maul are also strengthened during this time. And most of Ezra's low cat stage is tied directly to Maul. He won't graduate to Loth Wolf until after the former Sith is dead. He just won't be able to move on to the next stage until Maul is gone. So Maul's presence throughout the third season, this is like this menacing shadow in Ezra's life and in his mind. It is actually what leads Ezra to his next step though. So here's the fortunate part. Without stepping into these darker aspects of his personality, Ezra wouldn't grow in the same way that he does. He learns that his friendship for trusting strangers must be modified. I mean, he never puts faith in Maul again after the initial blinding. He never does. So he learns from this instance. But that also doesn't mean that Maul quits trying to court Ezra as his apprentice. I think court is a a very generous word. Maul is very, you know, a Sith deals in absolutes and he just says, no, you're my apprentice. That is how he addresses him. Yeah. Oh, um, my apprentice. It's lovely I love to see it. you again. I love it. Ezra's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> oh. I find it incredibly charming and welcoming. I think it's the <laughs> I think it's the best way to play Ezra. I think that's the best way to play Maul it. Yeah. Is very charming. He has yeah. that going for him. Yeah. So Maul is continuing to use Ezra to ultimately we realize find Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. taking advantage of Ezra's deep desire to help others. Obi-Wan proves he's a very quick study when he, in the middle of the Tatooine desert, just finds a distraught Ezra on Tatooine. And it's just like, you are in the wrong place, Ezra Bridger. What you need, you already have. Unfortunately, you seem to be letting it all go. Yikes. He also reminds Ezra that Maul used Ezra's desire to do good against him and to be mindful of who really needs him. back towards that ghost family and Ezra realizing that he truly needs to be back on Lothal the planet which he effectively abandoned to go on this adventure to Tatooine despite everyone telling him not to go that he is needed back on Lothal Mm -hmm. and with that realization though he's able to transition to his next stage and he's able to ultimately let that toxic relationship with Maul go yeah. And yeah. I just rewatched this episode like last night and 
it's a beautiful episode yes. the, the twin sons on tatooine the so desert funny. shots everything about it is so cool to see obi-wan in his kind of older man stage mm-hmm. still wielding his lightsaber taking maul down with like two or three strokes i think ultimately mm-hmm. um but i did find it kind of funny that going back again to the teen angst this episode is basically ezra as a teenager who snuck out to go to a party got in over his head and then had to be bailed out by his cool uncle yeah for sure I do. Think he goes home with his head hanging low and he's like i learned my lesson mm-hmm. uncle obi-wan help me <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to this ezra also shows an innate ability to understand past conflicts and resolve them In the season three episode, quote, The Last Battle, he is also able to broker a peace between Rex and Kalani, a former Separatist droid commander. And I love their interactions. I love it. He listens to both of them explain their opinions on the Clone Wars and figures out that neither one of them was supposed to win. Like, why do they keep falling for the same scripts? Both of you were meant to lose. Why haven't you learned this already, Rex? You literally have called this out yourself. Nope. Ezra, though, thankfully, House Hufflepuff could have a career in de-escalation. Yes. I would like to interject here, though, and, you know, the whole point of this conversation is about Ezra's empathy. Mm-hmm. I empathize with Destroyed so much. Yep. Like, the dude has been sitting on a problem, a puzzle, for almost 20 years, and he yep. needs to, like, play it out to actually have the solution. It's like having that that one last piece that you're just like obsessing over. It's like, no, I can solve this if I just have this one little bit. And I absolutely can relate to that feeling where it just, it comes down to the principle of the thing. The actual answer starts to not matter anymore. And right, I, need right. to, I need to finish this. Well, especially after so many years. <laughs> yes, 19 years since the end of the Clone Wars. Actually, probably more like 21 or 22 at this point. <laughs> We're in season don't, three, right? Ask me to do math. Yes. Yeah, season three. Yep. We're yeah. almost, almost to <laughs> Yavin. Note to self, though, Anders will restart a galactic conflict to solve a puzzle. Yes. We will remember that for later. <laughs> for when we discuss our lightsaber colors. Um, Ezra does this kind of de-escalation thing again. He's getting really good at this, getting good at talking people down. We yep. get together with Forrest Whitaker. Here he comes. Mr. Saw Guerrera enters the scene later in season three. So Ezra, he uses his empathetic powers yet again to connect with and interpret for a Geonosian named Click Clack. It was really cute. Like, we learned to kind of hate the Geonosians because of the prequels. But he's just like, he's the last one. He's the last one. He's protecting the queen egg. He's got, he's got stuff he's got to be doing. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna inject him. a little bit of yeah, I like close space. Yes, I was like Clone Wars. We got well, some no, Clone Wars. We got mostly, some Attack of the Clones. <laughs> well, yes, love Geonosis. Obviously, Attack of the Clones. Um, no, I was gonna interject a little bit of uh, French knowledge. Yes, <laughs> please. Um, click clack in French is a pullout couch. <laughs> so that's all I could think of when you were saying click clack. Click clack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I there you go that. that was your french word of the day so that's not his full name it's not click Clack's full name but that could be his nickname your Perfect. nickname yeah. is pull out couch <laughs> which he doesn't even have in his little lair doesn't even Hell. have a pull out couch he's just basically Unfair. living in a hole 
So that's Geonosis for you. That's true. He's in the burrows, like really underneath where their yeah. city was. And Flo, all of the Geonosians at this point are dead. Like they've all been wiped out by the Empire. All there you go. They are gone. <laughs> Great. Yeah, they, they're gone. They're gone. And Saw was kind of like, where'd all the Geonosians go? So he went to try and find out what sort of shenanigans the Empire is up to. And of course, he's like, I hate all Geonosians. And he starts threatening Click Clack. But Ezra is able to save the alien's life by appealing to Saw's familial sympathies. He finds Saw's trigger point, his kind of shatter point, and turns him back to the more empathetic side. Be like, please just let Click Clack go to his home with the queen egg and not yeah. drag him around don't, the galaxy. Don't wipe out an entire species. Yeah, let's not do the complete <laughs> genocide thing, please. That's just not how we should be choosing to win. Mm. So Ezra is slowly learning that Yoda may have had a point about the importance of choosing how to win. They can't fall into the Empire's practices, even if it might make things easier for the rebellion. This side of Ezra points to why his kyber crystal changed from blue to green. He's more open to reconciliation and to peace. Mm -hmm. At least at this point. At this point, <laughs> he's doing pretty well. We're loving our yeah. Ezra right now. Yep. So Ezra returns to Chopper Base on Adelon at the end of season three. He leaves behind his insecurities and his need for independence. He's embraced this kind of inner strength. He solidified his purpose. He tells the specters, quote, this is where I'm supposed to be. You're my family and we should go home. Hmm. That emphasis on family links directly to the next step, our next stage, both wolves and pack mentality. Woo, 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 woo. Mm -hmm. All right. Ooh. That's the end of this segment. Anders and Sarah, any last thoughts? Anders, no. want to save your light, yeah. share your lightsaber color with us? So I was thinking about this and I ultimately landed, I think my lightsaber, I, I'd be green, I think. Mm. Um, but I also think that I would probably have, I'd be kind of like Ahsoka, I'd have a, a shorter, a Soto. A shadow mm -hmm. blade, mm -hmm. and I think that one might be blue. Ah, okay, cool. That would be awesome. I'll well, allow we know it. The saber colors can have like different shades of green yeah. too. Yeah, so I would like to think a little lighter. I would like to think that my uh, actually probably both of them would be a little bit of like a deeper shade, a little bit of a darker shade than we generally see, <laughs> just because I think that looks cool. <laughs> yes, it does look cool. Yeah, we're I'm sure that's the only reason why. Mine's yeah. blue. Like an aquamarine kind of blue. Mm. Mm -hmm. We know what Sarah's is. We've I talked mean, about purple. this on the pod before. We're fine. I'm purple. She's balanced. <laughs> I'm balanced Very as balanced. fuck. Don't you see it? I'm balanced. Flo? <laughs> what would you <laughs> <laughs> um, Yes, youngling. <laughs> I was also going to go with purple only because I'm such a Mace Windu girl from Attack of the Clones. And Ooh, I can't wait Mace here. Write this... Write this down, yeah, because Colleen comes at Mace like super hard, very hard. So, like, we need to have a Mace window episode where you are clearly helping out because, like, I have to do some damage control every once in a while. All but right. it's noted, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's where we'll leave you today, guys. We wrapped up our little Loth kitty cat section. And frankly, to peek behind the stage, we had originally thought. I mean, no, we, producer Sarah knew that this wouldn't happen, but some of us originally thought that this would be a two-part series, 
But we have so much to discuss and we had already discussed, especially in addition to all of the amazing questions that you sent to us, that it's going to be longer. I mean, spade a spade, that's what it's going to be. And so stay tuned for next week for part three of our Ezra truly deep dive into where we'll explore Ezra's transition to the Lothwolf. And then for part four, we'll get into all of those questions. So to the extent you still have some, guess what? You get to submit them. Typey, so, typey. Yeah, typey, typey, sendy, sendy. We'll answer, <laughs> we're answer. Ready. We're ready to answer. And I mean, just remember, we're really stoked to be here on YouTube, but if you prefer listening to us in the podcast format, you can still find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, or frankly, wherever you get those podcasts. And in the meantime, please help us grow by heading to our YouTube channel. Hi, you're here. Welcome. <laughs> and subscribing and telling other nerdy knights to join in because legitimately that really does help. And it honestly cheers me the F up. So thank you all for joining us today and we'll see you next time. If you have any questions or theories about anything we've discussed here today, especially Ezra, but not to the exclusion of him, hit us up on Instagram at Geek Studies, tweet at us at Geek Studies or email at us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. And after we conclude our character study, the next episode will be diving into those Ezra questions. So until next time, lightsabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Thanks so much, y'all. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody.